0: comes, first of all, from Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verses 1 through 13. Both these scripture readings are in connection with the theme of the Uh, the Lord's Day that we'll be looking at, Lord's Day 21, uh, dealing with what it means to belong to the local church. Uh, So Romans 12, we'll read verses 1 through 13. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, The one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So far from Romans, let's also turn to Hebrews chapter 13. It's a very similar chapter, though, written to a very different audience. Uh, Romans, of course, being written primarily to uh, Romans, uh, and Hebrews being written to Hebrews, uh, to to people of different uh, ethnicities and culture and background, yet very similar uh, chapters. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Christ Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all, and all the saints Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. So far, the reading of God's Word. As we reflect on what we've read, let's sing together from Psalm 16, stanzas 1 through 3. Every Lord's Day in the afternoon service, we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, the the, uh, confession of our church, and a summary of the Christian doctrine. Uh, We've been for just a few weeks in Lord's Day 21, Uh, And we'll spend one more uh, week this afternoon on Lord's Day 21, question answer 54. Uh, So let's read those uh, words again. Lord's Day 21, question 54. What do you believe concerning the holy Catholic Christian Church? I believe that the Son of God, out of the whole human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, defends, and preserves for himself, by his spirit and word, in the unity of the true faith, a church chosen to everlasting life. And I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of it. So far, the reading of the Catechism. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we've been uh, working through the doctrine of the church over the last weeks, uh, we've been breaking it down into uh, separate sections on which we've been focusing. The first week we looked specifically at what is the church, Uh, what does Scripture say about the church, what do our confessions say about the church. We looked at those adjectives, uh, one holy Catholic church, and what does that mean, these are uh, word scripture also uses. Uh, then last week we narrowed our focus particularly on the question of uh, how do you identify the true church? How do you find it? What do you look for to be able to say that is the church of Christ? This afternoon uh, we want to focus particularly on uh, the, the question what does it mean to belong? To the local church. So we're looking especially at the last part of uh, what we just confessed. Uh, I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of the church. What does it mean to belong to the local church? Uh, it's sort of a follow up to, to the instruction that we gave last week that uh, Christians are called to join the local church. Uh, that's Christ calls his sheep to join the church. Well, what does it mean? to belong to the church? Uh, This is a critical question in our day and age because literally never before in history have there been so many Christians as a percentage of of the overall uh, church uh, as there are today who don't belong to any local church. Uh, Never before in history uh, have there been so many Christians who, who are self-professing Christians, who call themselves Christians, but don't have any actual affiliation with any local church? Uh, and, and never before in history have there been so many Christians who see no problem with that uh, new phenomenon. Now, who see no con- contradiction between someone claiming to belong to Christ and even to belong to his church, but not actually belonging to a local church, and, and perhaps some of us ourselves might wonder: Well, what's the big deal? Why why does that matter? Now, what difference does it make whether you belong to a local church or not? As long as you belong to Christ, is that not all that matters? Uh, you, you hear this this concern expressed in, in different ways. Uh, sometimes the appeal is made, as we saw last week, to the universal church or the invisible church, uh, where people will say, "Oh, well, I'm a member of the invisible church or, or the universal church, so I don't need to be a member of the local church. Uh, sometimes you hear the same idea expressed uh, with those who, who push back against church authority uh, and, and the oversight of the elders. Sometimes people ask, I hear this sometimes, uh, who, are, who are the elders to stand between me and Jesus? Uh, who are they to judge my faith? Uh, who are they to say whether I, I'm in good standing with Jesus or, or not? I know where I stand and, and, and that's all that matters. Uh, so there's something there that, that is worth addressing Uh, That that we ought to think through and examine from a biblical perspective. Does it matter whether one belongs to a local church or not? Uh, Does it matter in terms of your standing before Christ? Uh, Does the local church have a say on your standing before Christ? Now, Those are questions we want to answer as we search the word of God. Now, as, as we attempt to answer that from Scripture, uh, perhaps a good place to start uh, would be to, observe, to, to simply observe that throughout the New Testament, as well as the Old, uh, membership in the church seems to be the instinctive desire of every believer. Uh, There's an almost immediate desire to join to the church. Uh, So in Acts 2, we've appealed to Acts 2 a number of times now. Uh, In Acts 2, when uh, the gospel is preached and 3,000 are baptized, uh, the very next verse after their baptism tells us, uh, in Acts 2, verse 41, uh, "...there were added that day 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers." Uh, so they, they receive Peter's word, they, are, they humble themselves, they're baptized, uh, and they immediately devote themselves to the local church. Uh, all four of those things, whether it's listening to the apostles' teaching, or, or fellowshipping, or breaking of bread, or prayers, uh, are, are things that happen in the context of the local church. Uh, So what we see there is is the instinctive desire of a newborn Christian, just like a newborn baby uh, just immediately longs for its mother's milk, uh, so a newborn Christian just has an immediate longing uh, for the church, uh, to belong to the church. Uh, And and as I mentioned, all four of these things then, they happen in the context of the local church. Uh, The they were, no one was devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching merely in private, uh, even less fellowship. You, you can't fellowship uh, in, in private. Uh, they weren't breaking bread by themselves in the privacy of their own homes. They were breaking bread together. Uh, and, and the prayers, too, refer to, to corporate prayers, prayers that are done together. Now, all of these are things that happen in the local church, and these these newborn Christians seem to accept without question that, well, we've been baptized into the church, and so we are now committed to the church. That's where they wanted to be. They wanted to be wherever God's people were gathered. Uh, it's just like the psalmist says that we sang earlier from Psalm 16, "...as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in, in whom is all my delight." Uh, sometimes you wonder how, how, how often we could confess that ourselves. Uh, would you say that of your church? "...as for the saints in, in my church, uh, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight." Uh, now, of course, that's uh, in Christ, because they're sanctified in Christ. Uh, but that's the confession of the, the, these first Christians. I want to be with the church. That's my delight. That's where I long to be. Uh, we sing that from Psalm 122 as well. Just the, the, the believers longing to be gathered together with God's people. Uh, so one of the implications of this is that the, the newborn Christian desires to be with God's people whenever and wherever they meet. Uh, if, you, if you delight in their company, you will want to be with them where they, they are. Uh, so if you look ahead in the book of Acts to what happens in the next chapters, you, you see these individual local churches gathering uh, on a weekly, in some cases even a daily basis, uh, and the Christians gathering themselves to those local bodies. Uh, they would typically uh, gather in the early morning and the late evening, uh, oftentimes very early in the morning, like 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, because they, Sunday was a work day in, in the Roman Empire, so they Uh, especially those that were slaves, had no choice. So they'd meet early in the morning and then again late at night. Uh, You you see an example of this in Acts chapter 20, an an almost humorous account, uh, where Paul is preaching and they're gathered late into the night. And and Paul preaches so long that this young man, Eutychus, uh, who's sitting in a window, uh, falls out of the window. He falls asleep and falls out of the window. Uh, And so Paul goes down. Uh, restores this man to life, and then what does he do? He goes back, pre- goes back to preaching. Uh, the sermon wasn't even over yet, uh, even, even with a young man dying and being raised to life. Uh, that's how, how much they valued that time they had together. That's how much they valued the, the preaching of, of God's Word. Now, w- we can look at that, and, and, and one can comment, well, there's no biblical command. That says you have to gather twice on a Lord's Day. Or you have to gather for an evening service. Uh, And there isn't. There is no biblical command. Uh, Much less is there a command for Paul to preach seven hours straight into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, There's no biblical command that says they have to. They were there because they wanted to. Uh, That's where the church was gathered. In whom was their delight. Uh, That's where they could hear the the word of God preached and they wanted to be there. Uh, So we should start with that simple observation that everywhere in the New Testament, uh, not to mention the old as we saw in the Psalms, uh, the the automatic instinctive desire of a newborn Christian is to be with God's people uh, whenever and wherever they gather. Uh, Now, one might say, okay, um, we can grant that that the desire to be there uh, is is there, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean church membership. Uh, There are Christians that uh, take a sort of principled position against church membership and refuse to be uh, members in any local church. Well, it's true, it doesn't. That by itself doesn't automatically imply membership. Uh, But that's where we need to think more about the sacrament of baptism because baptism does imply membership in the local church. Think of Jesus' command to His disciples in the Great Commission, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Uh, Baptism is baptism into the name. It's into the name of of God. Uh, It was the sign that took the place of the sign of circumcision, the, the entrance ritual Uh, so to speak, uh, and implies membership in God's covenant. Uh, And if you're a member of God's covenant, you're a member together with God's people. Uh, You are under the authority of the office bearers whom God has appointed over his people. Uh, So, It's the leadership of the church that baptizes, as happened on Acts 2. The the apostles were the ones baptizing uh, under Jesus' command, and they were baptizing into the church. Uh, That's why it says in uh, Acts 2 verse 41 as well, uh, those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You might ask the question, added to what? Added to what? Well, added to the church, added to Christ's church. Uh, and this is, this is further implied and, and even more explicitly uh, implied by the commands throughout the New Testament to also then submit to the leaders of the church. Uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 2, uh, here speaking to the elders, uh, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Oversight, no. What can oversight mean but that there are those under the sight, under the watch of these elders? Uh, how are they to do that, to fulfill that command, unless they, are, uh, unless they know who the members are? Uh, you see it as well in Hebrews 13. Uh, Obey your leaders and submit to them for their keeping watch over your souls. Well, h- how do you do that? If you're not a member of the church, how do you know who your leaders are? Is it my leaders, the elders here in Alora? Is it the elders in Fergus or in some church in Africa? Well, of course, it's, it's the elders right here. The elders of the church of which I am a member. Uh, the, the, the church into which I've been baptized or into which I've joined under the blessing of the leaders appointed by God. Uh, So so it really is astonishing that there are today so many Christians uh, who are contemptuous of the idea of church leadership, uh, who who say things like, well, I don't need them to tell me whether I'm a Christian or not. I don't need them to tell me uh, what what Jesus wants from me. Uh, When Jesus himself is telling them, submit to the leaders of the church that he has appointed. Uh, so, so you you literally cannot say, oh, "I'm am just obeying Jesus, so I don't need church leaders," because the the command of Jesus is submit to the leaders that he has uh, appointed. And this fact is even more obvious, of course, by the practice of church discipline, also taught by the Lord Jesus, uh, Matthew eighteen. Uh, the Lord Jesus says, If someone refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, this clearly teaches that the leadership of the church has an authority to bind and to loose uh, over their own members. Uh, likewise, Paul in First, first Corinthians 5 let the sinner who has done this be removed from among you. Well, how is the church to exercise, to obey that command uh, if that sinner does not, in the first place, belong to the church? Uh, and and if he does, how and when did he come to belong? Well, in baptism. Uh, so the New Testament, from beginning to end, teaches this, that, that Christians not only desire to be gathered with God's people, but Christians belong among God's people. Uh, it makes it uh, truly astonishing that there are those who reject the, the notion of church membership and, and are content to have a sort of private relationship, just, just a me and Jesus uh, relationship, uh, and, and declare that the local church means nothing to them. Uh, that's deceiving yourself. Uh, whoever whoever's voice you're listening to, it isn't the voice of Christ, because the voice of Christ says, "Join the church, submit to your leaders." Now, of course, there there are exceptions, and these are often pointed out. You know that you know, there 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 are people who are saved without being members of the church. You might think of the thief on the cross. Now, he died before he ever had the chance to join uh, the local church. Uh, but you could say with, with confidence, had he gone on to live, that's the first thing he would have done. He would have joined the church as a newborn Christian. Now, this is why it's, it's the church's oldest confession uh, that, that there is no salvation outside of the church. That doesn't mean that uh, nobody can ever be saved. Uh, If they're not a member of the church, uh, it it never meant that. Uh, But it does mean there's only one way of salvation, which is the way that you will find within the church, and it's the way that calls you to the local church. Uh, The one who rejects the church rejects Christ, who is the head of the church, because the church is his own body. Uh, The church is uh, the household of God. We saw that last week in in 1 Timothy uh, 3. Uh, So by rejecting the church, you reject the household of God. And by rejecting the household, you reject the head of the household. Uh, The church is the temple of God. Uh, That's the place God expects to be worshipped. You reject the temple, you reject the God of the temple. Uh, So it is not sufficient to be members only of a so-called invisible or universal church. Uh, uh, As we saw last week, that distinction, we we speak of the invisible church as a way of speaking about the whole Catholic church, which cannot be seen in in, in any one place. Uh, But it certainly does not deny the, the existence of local churches to which Christ calls individual Christians. Having said that then, uh, we want to address the question, what then does it mean to belong to the local church? Is it merely a question of membership or is there more to it? Well, clearly it is more than merely having your name uh, inscribed on the church's rolls. It's not less than that, uh, but it is more than that. Uh, we've already seen that uh, belonging to a local church also entails a commitment to that church. Uh, that means you're there when the church gathers. Uh, you're, you devote yourself with the rest of the church to that apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And this, this, this simple uh, discovery uh, or recovery was one of the greatest observations of, of, of the uh, great Protestant Reformation uh, where they rejected the Roman Catholic custom of having long lists of names inscribed in the rolls of the church that never actually showed up uh, at the church or perhaps showed up uh, no more than once a year. Uh, One of the great emphases of of the Protestant Reformation was there's more to being a member of the church than simply having your name on the church's rolls. Church membership is active. It's it's meaningful. It, It shows in your life. Uh, the, the Reformers said the same about the Lord's Supper as well. Uh, it, it's not some some sacrifice that's, that's performed by priests in the absence of the people as was the practice in that day. Uh, it's the moment of fellowship and communion between God's people uh, who are living members of His church. Uh, so being a member of the church then entails a commitment. Uh, and, and that's a significant point. Uh, because our culture today, uh, in particular, is, is allergic to commitments. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons for that. It's been widely uh, observed. Uh, that That's a particular feature of our uh, culture, uh, particularly among millennials. Uh, our culture tends to value freedom as, as the highest thing. Um, and, and commitment, by definition, entails a loss of that freedom. And that's why commitment is abandoned in all sorts of different areas. It isn't just church membership. Uh, young people take almost a decade longer to get married uh, than they than they did uh, 50 years ago. Uh, and, and why? Because it entails a certain commitment. It means a loss of certain freedoms. Uh, likewise, couples are having far fewer children than they did 50 years ago. And why? Because that requires a huge commitment uh, and involves necessarily, as any parent knows, a a great loss of freedom. Uh, And so also church membership has taken a rapid decline in our culture uh, because likewise it involves a certain commitment and implies a certain loss of freedom. Uh, It means you, you take responsibility for your local church. It means you're there when your church gathers uh, it means you're there in the, in the midweek meetings, the, like the congregational meetings, when the church gathers for those. Uh, and, and so there is a loss of freedom. You don't just pick up and, and, and change where you worship on a regular basis. Uh, there's a loss of freedom. You, you are called to commit to your local church. That doesn't mean, of course, when you go on, that you can't ever go on vacation and, and, and worship anywhere else. Uh, but it does mean that you are committed and predominantly present in your local church. It, means, it also means you're serving in in your local church. You're not just committing to the the couple hours of of worship services uh, every Sunday. Uh, You're committing your time throughout the week just serving the the brothers and sisters that Christ has given you uh, with your gifts in the local church where Christ has placed you. Uh, One of the things it means that's uh, most often emphasized in the New Testament is it also means bearing with your church means bearing with your church. Uh, and of course, that implies that you're probably uh, one of the members that also needs some bearing with, uh, that the other members must, must bear with. Uh, but this is, a, this is re- often repeated in the New Testament, to bear with one another. Uh, when, when decisions are made in your local church that you might not have made, uh, you, you don't pick up and leave as a result. You bear with your church. Uh, When the worship style is not what you uh, would want, Uh, you, you don't pick up and leave because you're committed to your local church. Now, of course, it doesn't mean you're bound for life to one congregation or even one federation. But it does mean you are committed that you will work with the church where Christ has placed you as long as you are there. And that you will bear with your brothers and sisters and their many, many weaknesses. Uh, that, that when things are not right in the church uh, and, and you have a deep conviction about that, that you use that conviction in the service of the church uh, and not as a reason to leave the church. Uh, it may be you are called to work and, and labor for reform. Uh, if so, uh, then then follow that calling. Do that with, of course, great humility. Uh, Live the gospel in the midst of your church. Uh, oftentimes we, we, you hear comments that oh, a certain church is, is not, has not, no gospel culture. Well, if you're in that church, a member of that church, contribute to the gospel culture. Teach that. Live that. Uh, show what that looks like. Uh, and, and, of course, do so with all humility, patience, and love. And, yes, love really is what it boils down to. It's uh, also frequently, uh, the often commanded, uh, love the church where Christ has placed you. Why? Because Christ loves the church. If you love Christ and Christ loves the church, then you love the church. Uh, Christ does not abandon her. Christ does not uh, give up on her. Uh, Christ doesn't walk away when she fails, as she often does, to live up to his standards. Uh, in, instead, he dies for her and he sanctifies her. Uh, and, and one of the surest marks of, of, of a Christian is they love the church. Uh, not just the abstract, you know, universal, invisible church. They love the local church where Christ has placed them with all of her weaknesses, failures, uh, and flaws. Uh, so in answer to our culture's uh, sort of allergy against commitment, uh, as Christians, we follow in the footsteps of Christ, recognizing that commitment is a commitment that may lead all the way to death. Uh, that's, that's the commitment of, of Christ. Uh, yes, there's a loss of, of freedom that, that that does entail. Um, but, but it's through that very commitment that we make a difference in the local church. Uh, this is true of many other areas, too. No, nothing is worth doing, uh, as I'm sure you've been told in, in, in your school at some point. Nothing's worth doing that doesn't involve effort and work and commitment. Uh, it's only by committing to a wife that a, that a young man will be a husband, which is a very different thing than being a boyfriend. It's only by committing to children that a man will truly be a father like God, his heavenly father, uh, and raise up sons and daughters that are a blessing in this world. And it's only by committing to the church uh, that you can truly love and serve and make a difference in the church. Uh, It's by committing through the good times and the bad times, uh, to love and bless the church where Christ has placed you, that you will see the church flourishing in response to that love. Uh, You don't get that from the consumerism that that afflicts our culture, that looks out uh, for what can the church give me. Uh, you, You get that by serving as Christ serves the church. So then what does it mean to belong to the local church? Uh, It means, as we've seen, being under the leadership of the office bearers whom God has appointed. Uh, It means gathering with the church wherever and whenever the church uh, gathers. Uh, It means being committed to the church uh, with the commitment and love of Christ. Uh, And finally, it also means service within the church. Serving the church according to our gifts. You see that in both Romans 12 and Hebrews 13. Uh, Citing from Romans 12, uh, Paul says, "I, I appeal to you, brothers... By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And then uh, he explains what he means in the next verses, uh, in, indeed really in the next chapters, Romans 12, uh, virtually through the end of Romans and Romans 16. Uh, it, it's just a long description of this is what it means to, to serve the church, to, to offer your bodies as a sacrifice, Uh, So he says, Romans 12, verse 4, As in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. And he goes into specifics. If it's prophecy, then, then, then in, in proportion to faith. If it's service, then in serving. If it's teaching, in teaching. Uh, and so on. Uh, it's service according to the gifts that God has given you. Now, that's obviously a, a commitment that goes far beyond the, the two hours a week of local uh, worship services. It, it's a service that, that extends throughout the week, uh, that is committed to the well-being of the other members of Christ's body. Uh, the New Testament is just replete with examples of what that, that service looks like. Uh, Hebrews uh, 13, verse 16, it, it involves financial giving, uh, particularly for the poor and the widows. Uh, it involves hospitality, Hebrews 13, verse 2. Uh, it involves exhortation and admonition. Look at Hebrews 3, verse, verse, verses 12 to 14. Exhort one another, admonish one another. Uh, it means visiting the sick and the lonely, James 5, verse 14. Uh, visiting those who are going astray. Uh, James 5, verse 19. Uh, and, and of course, the examples could, could uh, go on and on. Uh, this is, in fact, one of the things that we should be looking for in our regular daily devotions as we're reading the Word of God and interacting with it, also in prayer, is we're looking for where is Christ calling me? What, what, what service uh, has, has Christ enabled me to serve? Uh, and how can I do that within the church where Christ has placed me? Uh, indeed, So great is the commitment uh, that that these early Christians had and that the scriptures teach us to have uh, to the local church uh, that we use for one another the title of brother and sister now we're, we may be used to that uh, if we've grown up in the church uh, but those who who haven't uh, find that language quite shocking and and not not without reason in the roman culture too uh, this this was a shocking thing to do uh, it, it even had legal implications if you're calling someone your brother or sister uh, that means you're responsible uh, for them uh, for, for example, if a brother or sister went to jail, uh, they would call the family members to make sure that food is provided that wasn't normally done by the government. It was family members had to make sure that prisoners didn't starve to death. Uh, so you're calling them brother or sister. That means the government will look for you uh, if if they get into trouble. Uh, so, so the idea of, of the local church as it's taught to us in Scripture uh, is so much more than, than mere membership on, on a list of members. Uh, the church is the family of God, uh, the household of God, that company of brothers and sisters. That's so why the Lord Jesus himself said in, in Mark chapter 10 uh, that, that there's no one who's left brothers or sisters or houses or, or mothers uh, or children or lands for, for my sake or for the gospel's sake uh, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Mothers, brothers, uh, houses, uh, fathers, children, uh, and so forth. Uh, that's the blessing that, that we receive as a church. We have one another uh, as, as brothers and sisters. Uh, it's one of the greatest delights, indeed, of being a Christian. Uh, certainly, uh, you experience this if you visit a church somewhere else. They might be people you've never met before, uh, and yet you're, you're having lunch at their house. You're, you're welcomed into their lives as a brother or sister, uh, as, as Christians we have a uh, hundred mothers ready to, to make us a meal if if we need it. Uh, we have a you know, hundred brothers ready to, to fight for us and, and defend us. Uh, we have a hundred uh, sisters to, to love and to cherish uh, and uh, even if we have no biological children of our own, we have a hundred children uh, to admonish, instruct, and, and raise in, in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. That's what the church is. It, it is, at the end of the day, a family with Christ as the head. Uh, it, it's, it's the family of God, the family of Christ. And so the question is, is that your testimony too? Is that your commitment as well? Is the church your family? Uh, Even with all of its faults and all of its flaws, are are they the people of whom you would say, I will not leave them uh, or forsake them, because Christ will not leave them or forsake them? Uh, Christ is committed, uh, and Christ calls us to that same commitment. Uh, So does the local church matter? Uh, Of course the answer is yes, it does uh, matter tremendously. It's the instinctive desire of every Christian to be there gathered with them uh, it's, in, it's implied in the commands of Christ, both in baptism uh, and in uh, discipline it's the call of Christ as well, serve as I am serving, uh, and it's the greatest earthly delight for the average uh, for, for every Christian uh, to be a member of christ's family and have a home among them. Amen.